Welcome to Beyond Technology, the experience podcast by Acrolec, where we chat about how we're transforming everyday lives with the help of technology. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Technology, the experience podcast by Acrolec. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So fast food restaurants are embracing digital tech. And it's pretty clear to see because the digital tech that they embrace is so often right in front of us. It's in our face. It's everything from LED displays to kiosks. But even with this embrace, there's a crucial edge technology that the industry is woefully behind on. And that is AI, artificial intelligence. So logistics, product recommendation, data analysis... All of these different lanes in the food service industry can benefit from AI. And AI can really especially benefit QSR in so many ways. So why is the industry so behind? And what can operators do to get AI deployed properly and with a purpose? So here to give his perspective is Vincent Atia. He is the data project manager for Acrolec. Vincent, welcome. How are you doing today? Hey, Daniel. I'm great. Uh, I'm thrilled to be with you on this podcast. Uh, as you said, I think artificial uh, intelligence has been around for years, but there hasn't really been any conversation about what artificial intelligence can bring to QSR. So I'm very much looking forward to your questions. Yeah, it's definitely one of those technologies that when you think about it, it's kind of amazing that it hasn't been adopted full force by the industry because so many other industries have seen a full embrace, especially for product recommendation, which we'll get into here in a second. But uh, in general, would you say that the QSR industry is embracing AI to its full potential? I think I know what the answer is, but yeah, why or why not? Um, so if you don't mind, before really answering the question, I'd like to take a minute to explain what is artificial intelligence. So Artificial intelligence and machine learning have been around for decades. And what made them more popular is the fact that we democratize computer uh, with great computational power. So with that, we're able to run artificial intelligence on more and more tasks. If, uh, if I take the example of spams, uh, so everyone has emails and they have spam and they don't really like them. So it's kind of convenient to be able to flag an email as a spam. Before AI, you would have um, expert systems. So you would have an expert that would understand the problem and that would decide what are the rules to flag an email as a spam. So for example, an expert would know that a spam would contain the words, uh, the three keywords, send money now. So he would create a rule that is for every incoming email, if you have these three keywords, then you set it as a spam. With artificial intelligence, you're no longer setting the rule you're giving the software a set of examples of what are normal emails and what are spams. And AI will detect on its own what are the key features that make a spam spam. AI is a tool to learn the rules to answer a specific task and lets you act on the prediction. To come back to your question, the only usage of AI in the quick service restaurant industry that I'm aware of is McDonald's with their product recommendations. So they started this a few months ago. Aside this, there's not a lot that has been done in the restaurant. I'm precising in the restaurant because there's actually probably some work that has been done in terms of uh, the uh, order placement for each restaurant. So based on the prediction of the need of a restaurant for the next few days, then you have some sort of tool that is predicting what is the need in terms of raw materials or in, other, in marketing, for instance, for mail marketing, 
Uh, you could have some sort of AI that is determining who should receive which message uh, to optimize the conversion ratio. But we are far from a clear adoption of AI by the QSR industry. And if we look into it and we try to ask ourselves, why is that? What we can see is that the investment of both corporate and franchisees in the last decade has been more towards the redesign of restaurants, so refreshing the look of a restaurant and implementing some sort of digitalization of the sales point with digital money boards, indoor and outdoor, and through kiosks. And those tools already helped lift the sales. So there wasn't really a need for further AI-led optimization. I think another, another point that could uh, slow down the adoption is what is the goal of AI? Um, if, for example, the AI tool is supposed to be used by the crew member, the managers, or the general manager, and the tool is aimed at optimizing something that is not uh, what the crew member is incentivized on, he will not have any reason to follow the guidelines by, given by the AI. And the second element is trust. Is the crew member going to trust and down the line adopt the AI-based software? I'm, I'm not too sure. And I think those two elements in terms of investment and how it's being used in the restaurant uh, are two things that can slow down the development of AI in the quick service restaurant industry. Um, so, and this conversation has been sparked, I think, uh, by the acquisition by McDonald's in March 2019 of Dynamic Yield for a mere $300 million. Uh, so this is a lot of amount and a lot of articles try to understand what was the goal of McDonald's behind it. We'll probably get back to this acquisition later on. McDonald's just had their Q3 earning calls and the New York Times published an article that stated that McDonald's aimed at becoming, and I quote, a saltier, greasier version of Amazon. So I believe that the QSR industry is really going, uh, undergoing a true revolution and AI will be more and more incorporated into the day-to-day -day restaurants operations. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you bring up the McDonald's thing. We're going to break down that acquisition here in a bit. We're going to break down how McDonald's is really one of the few examples of the QSR industry leading the charge on AI implementation. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that the QSR industry hasn't really embraced AI to its full potential. I mean, per what you just said, it clearly could have large-scale ramifications in a positive way for the flow and the experience of QSR for the end user. And, uh, you know, there are other industries that have really embraced this. So I've got an interesting McKinsey report here for context. A close cousin of QSR, the retail industry, has been embracing AI in a very focused way. So, for example, 35% of sales on Amazon come from sophisticated product recommendation algorithms. So they're seeing uh, more than a third of their sales come because of product recommendation streaming services uh, so you know content consumers they've found a lot of benefit from ai recommendations as well and they've got it down pat 75 percent of netflix choices have come from targeted recommendations so vincent how does the qsr industry stack up compared to those numbers what percentage of sales in the QSR industry are we seeing right now come from some kind of product recommendation? I would say that this number is quite close to, to 0%. Uh, the, Which is sad. Exactly. This is very sad. But the, the C, uh, chief information officer of McDonald's uh, in the same earning call said that the, the goal of McDonald's, like, they, they didn't see any reason why the food sold at McDonald's should be any different from what you buy at Amazon. So there's 
a clear will to to go towards uh, what is happening at Amazon or Netflix. But I think there's a few differences and we cannot really compare product recommendation that is done by Amazon to what you can do inside a restaurant. For instance, at the drive-thru where McDonald's is implementing the product recommendation, uh, you have a very limited time frame of communication with the customer. So we're talking about 20 seconds to a minute. And this doesn't give you the same amount of time as you would have on, on a website to communicate product recommendation. And then product recommendation work great on Amazon because when you push every check, this is pushing your sales in the end. But in the quick service restaurants, you have limited resources and pushing every check could actually, in the end, reduce the number of customers you're actually able to serve. So a product recommendation might not always make sense in a QSR environment. So as I said, the product recommendations aren't really popular in, in the QSR industry. And what you see with Amazon and Netflix is that their interface is 100% tailored for each customer. That means that when you go on the landing page of Amazon and Netflix, the content is, won't be the same as for someone else. For Netflix, you might have the same content, but it will be presented in a different fashion. So uh, you will have a different show highlighted on, on your home screen. The first section will be different. The shows are, are lined up will be different. They will have different pictures because they know that pictures have a big impact. So different customer groups will see different pictures. We kind of have this impression that the QSI is far behind, but actually there's something that is very exciting and that has been very exciting for the QSR industry in the last couple of years. This is the kiosk, so self-service kiosk. This is something that worked tremendously well for the restaurants. So when they install this kiosk, we can see a lift uh, in the average check by 15 to 20%. So this is a big improvement. And this comes uh, from the fact that you're no longer having the stress of the cashier in front of you having to take your order, the stress from the line behind you waiting to place an order. You can roam uh, between the different categories and see all the enticing pictures, which in the end drive the average check. So this is specific to the quick service restaurant. And on the kiosk, in terms of product recommendation, there isn't much that is being done. You have upsells. So if you buy a menu, then ask if you want to add a coffee or an ice cream. And I'm saying it's pretty general because in the end, uh, everyone will see the message and it will be the same message. One company that I think made uh, some inst interesting work, uh, so it's Itza. Uh, it was founded in 2015. I, I think they had some restaurants on the West Coast and East Coast. And they did a, a very good job at delivering a new customer journey. So you wouldn't face any employee during, uh, during your, your time at the restaurant. You would order on iPads and then you would get your, your order from Cubbies. Uh, one side would be connected to the, to the kitchen, another side to the customer, there would be a transparent screen. Whenever a, a member of the kitchen would put your order in the cubby, the screen would turn black. And then you would have a nice animation telling you that the order is ready and showing it to you. And what they did, or actually what they claim, is that they only used credit cards as a mean of payment, so no cash. And with this credit card, they were able to track the customers. So they were able to link different orders based on the credit card number and then show a specific layout on the iPad based on what they knew about the customer. Um, so ITSA has now rebranded itself as Brightloom and they're no longer doing like handling any restaurants. You can still see this spirit in a few restaurants like the uh, Chicago Bay's Wow Bows, an Asian quick service restaurant. 
but they really focus on their know-how in terms of technology and they struck a deal with Starbucks to manage their loyalty program. So I think this is actually one of the first company that tried to do something in the quick service restaurant. And now we have McDonald's today. But in the end, the conclusion is that there's plenty of room in terms of what we can do in product recommendation in the QSR industry. And right now is uh, really an exciting time because everything needs to be uh, developed. So in general, what do you think has prevented the industry from being a leader in using AI? Why are we having to even have this conversation? Uh, this is a very good question. AI, so as I explained before, it needs examples. So right, right. if you're not tracking anything or if you're not tracking the right element to be able to forecast anything, then you're not able to have any AI solution. So I think the first element is that the industry player haven't really tried to harvest the data they are producing. They analyze sales, and that's pretty much it. Like to understand yeah. what is their product mix, what do they, uh, how many fries they need to order for the for the next month, and, and so on. But there there isn't much more that is done. And we we often compare, and I'm sure you heard about it, that data is the new oil, and it's just like this. So if you have a property that is sitting on a huge amount of oil. It's kind of useless unless you're actually investing into extracting this oil. Same thing with data. If you're not investing to creating this data lake, uh, this repository of all the data sources that you have, then you're not really able to create any value out of it. So the first element is that you need to understand all your data sources and gather them in one single place. So data sources are, of course, uh, your transactions. But you're not look only looking at what is printed on a receipt. What you want to know in terms of transaction is when was a product ordered? Do people actually order sites first or do they order sites after a menu has been ordered? This is important regarding what is the conversation you want to have with them. Should you first display menus or should you first display sites? Then you have another array of information coming, for example, from the drive-thru. How many cars uh, entered? Uh, what were the speed of service? Uh, you can look at data from your fryer. So when was the frying basket launched from your freezer? When was uh, the temperature of your freezer is important because you can know when the freezer was open. So if the freezer was open during the rush, that means that someone, a crew member, had to pick something from the freezer, which meant that you didn't prepare well for the rush time. Everything needs to be tracked and saved. And I believe that brands didn't really see the value they could get out of this. And it could take months or even a year to really understand what are your data sources, where are they coming from, to structure it, and then trying to figure out what are all the use cases that you can get out of those. I think the second element that prevented the industry to be a leader in using AI is that the technology used in restaurant is far from commoditized. You have a few vendors that are fighting over a few big customers. Uh, in the U.S., you have about 30 restaurant chains that have more than 1,000 restaurants. Compare this to online, uh, retail platforms like Shopify, Drupal, or Magento, they have far greater customer base. We're talking about millions of businesses uh, that are created with those platforms. Having such a big customer base online enabled the creation of lucrative marketplace for plugins. So an independent developer for uh, Shopify, for instance, can develop his own AI-powered tool to set, right. uh, to set automatically the prices, the discounts, the product recommendation. And that can be easily integrated to those businesses' website. In the QSR world, 
if your vendor doesn't offer the functionality, you're looking for at least months of development and no plugin is available. And the vendor is not able to know if he's going to be able to, to share this cost of investment between the different customers because there's so little customers. So basically, it's more of a vendor and hardware issue than it is any sort of want for integrating those solutions, which makes a lot of sense and which is exactly why we're having this conversation with Acrylect today because y'all provide those hardware solutions to really uh, solve this AI problem. So Vincent, before your career in data science and business analytics, you actually spent some time working in the restaurant industry and you know, you're know you now working with clients from that industry. So you've got a good grasp for what the operational and presentation challenges are that hold the QSR industry back. So what are some of the most affecting bottlenecks that you've dealt with or seen in the industry that need solutions? First of all, I had a great time and great memories uh, in restaurants. I would highly recommend anyone looking to develop AI solution for the industry to spend some time in the restaurant to see what is happening there. In terms of bottleneck, when you start, everything that involves decision-making is some sort of complicated. So decision-making can be, when do you have to leave the cashier to go to the lobby to look at the beans and determine which one uh, need to be emptied out? How many tomatoes do you need to cut in the morning? When do you need to launch some nuggets to cook? All those decisions, there's some sort of complicated for someone new and once you get an experience uh, what happens is that corporate is doing guidelines but the employees actually base their decision more on their gut feeling from their experience and this can lead to a gut feeling not being uh, aligned to what is best for the restaurant a big bottleneck is dry food so dry foods can account for up to 70 percent of a restaurant's business so it's really huge and a a drive-thru is mainly succession of three steps. So order, payment, and order reception. And when you're in a rush hour, it can be hard for a manager to assess uh, where is the bottleneck and how to effectively place his crew. If you're able to monitor what is happening in the drive-thru, so this is something that already uh, that is already there. If you're able to monitor what is the time of service at all those windows and try to communicate. So this is where AI can happen. Is that communicate recommendation an AI tool that is able to analyze the data and come up with recommendation in terms of, oh, you should place another crew member at the order process and this will free the bottleneck. This is where we can see an improvement. A fun story of when I was working in the restaurant is that uh, when you're working at the cashier, you have um, uh, some challenges that are given by the manager to try to motivate the crew for the next few hours. Whoever sells the most uh, chocolate cakes uh, will get a free, a free movie ticket. I was ready to win this challenge. Uh, so for every customer that I would get, I would ask this question, which is, would you like a delicious chocolate brownie as a dessert? After an hour of asking the same question, I finally got a customer to accept this, this offer, and I sold my first brownie for uh, after an hour. And the first thing I did was go to my manager. I was super excited and, and share, oh, uh, I was finally able to sell a brownie. I made the customer do what I wanted. In reality, is this the best question you could have asked? So I asked for one hour, a 10 second question. And was this the best question? Should I have asked another question that would have been better for the restaurant's business? This is why restaurants aren't like Amazon. So as I said before, Amazon's profit, if you grow the average check, then you're roughly growing 
uh, revenues because you might you might have to pay uh, an employee to do overtime or you might deliver the uh, the order late. But anyway, how big the order, the order is going to be fulfilled. In a restaurant, there's scarce resources. So that means that you only have so much time. You only have so much, so many employees. When you have a lot of people coming in the restaurant and you have maybe 30 seconds or a minute to ask a question, is it best to spend this minute with an existing customer trying to upsell to get, uh, to get a drink uh, that is $1 or a coffee that is $2 or spend this minute with a new customer and place on your order? And with a new customer, you get much more back for your time spent. So if your customer orders a menu at the same speed as you ask a question about, would you like a dessert or something like this, then it makes more sense to not do any upsells and focus on getting as many customers to place their order. So having an AI that is able to tell you when you need to try to do upsell, what is the best upsell to do for which customer, and when you should actually not spend any more time with the customer and just get to the next one, this is also a big breakthrough that I could see. And to your point, what's really interesting about all this is that QSRs are already adopting these digital technologies that could benefit from AI. So everything from the digital menu boards to the self-ordering kiosks to even geolocation for dine-in services. And really what that means is that the technology is already there to take advantage of AI. We either need the right hardware or we need the right open source software to assist and make AI an additional supporting component of that consumer experience. So how should operators look to these technologies that are already in their stores to try to support them with AI? Is it that simple or does it have to be a complete overhaul of hardware? So hardware wouldn't have to change. Uh, we're looking more at at software enhancement. And the problem is that, uh, as I said before, there's a few vendors, so they, it's not like you can switch the software that is running on your kiosk or on your digital menu boards right away. There's quite complexity behind it, and those softwares weren't designed at the beginning to, to be able to perform uh, advanced AI recommendation. They were built to place an order and communicate this to the POS system. So there's a first step that is, uh, making sure the software that is running on those devices is AI enabled. And then you, you need also to have a shift in the focus on, in the brand. So they need to understand that uh, a, a kiosk or a digital menu board um, should not be seen as something that is there and should not change. It's like, uh, like what they do for advertisement on TV, on print, radio, or web. They should all the time create specific content for those communication channels. Um, I have in mind a, an example. Uh, so um, it was a checkout page for, for a website. So the checkout page was uh, mainly two, uh, two fields, which were uh, the email address and the password, and two buttons, which were either to sign in or to register. And what, they, what this website with a consultant figured out is that uh, it was actually, they had low conversion rates, so a lot of people dropping out of the website at this specific page. And what they did is they tested a new version which incorporated a new button, which was check out without logging in. And this button, which enabled people to actually place an order without giving uh, personal information like their email address, uh, ended up um, creating $300 million per year of sales just with a simple button. 
So when you look at kiosks and digital menu boards, you really have to think of all the different variations that you can have and testing them to measure how it impacts your business. And AI can test hundreds, if not thousands, of different user interface, interfaces. Uh, in terms of variations, we can think of uh, how products are ordered in a page, the way products are grouped. Right. Does it make more sense to have them grouped by protein or by size or prices? The picture, like we see with Netflix, test different pictures and see which one works best. Right. The description, the possibilities are really endless. And AI can assess in real time what works best and roll this version out into all of your restaurants. AI can also detect that a certain framework works best for one specific restaurant at a specific time of the day. Now, see, I, I, I love all that because it doesn't necessarily require any sort of extra personalized implementation, like, let's say, an app or, let's say, you know, logging individuals and their preferences uh, and, and can really operate from that uh, end-user agnostic perspective but mm -hmm. still give them a personalized experience. However, that kind of personalized attention that you do see on e-commerce sites and you do see on things like Netflix, I think is sort of that next step. Do you see AI supporting anything like that where you know, there's an opportunity without friction to personalize the QSR experience for individuals who frequent that location. So this is, uh, if we're looking at knowing the customer and knowing uh, what are their past uh, uh, historical purchases, there's actually a lot that we can do. Uh, the question is, uh, how do you recognize that customer? Right. For, for the drive-thru, there's, uh, there's a few things that, that you can do. You can, you can either ask the customer to sign in at the beginning, so showing their, their customer ID, loyalty, uh, if you have any loyalty program. So you scan a QR code or a barcode. Um, you, you can do, in the drive-thru, you can memorize the license plate if the customer agrees to it. And then you can recognize the car when, when it's pulling up, and you can have a personalized conversation with them. Um, you can also um, have some work on Bluetooth. So if without having to, um, uh, to share any, any screen, so scanning a screen, uh, you can detect the customer with their, uh, with their Bluetooth address and then link this to, um, uh, to a customer profile. So those are the ways that you can uh, recognize a customer. Um, if you're looking at China, they, they are doing amazing work in terms of uh, facial recognition, uh, so you can, uh, you can log in, you can pay with your face uh, in kiosk uh, in the QSR industry. So th there's really a panel of different things that can be done. And then you, you need to think of, does this bring value? I think it does. So you need to make sure that all you have as many customers that sign up to your loyalty program and as many customers that actually use it when they come to your restaurant. So make it frictionless. Right. And that's that's the key word, right? Frictionless, because I've read some studies that showcase really most end users are pretty unlikely to download new apps to their phones. Yeah. It was something like it was a stark number something like every year. Most people download a total of like one new app to their phone right. or <laughs> zero new apps to their phone. Yeah, right. Something something brutal like that where you really have to show the person, OK, do I really want all this data on my phone? Do I want it stored on my phone? Do I even want the icon on my phone? Mm -hmm. And beyond that, is this going to improve the experience for me or is it some new thing I have to learn to change how I go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's yeah. or Burger King, whatever it might be. So it's interesting that that um, 
removal of friction for an app or for complete personalization is going to be, I think, the challenge that comes after AI like this that we're talking about. The more user-agnostic personalization, I think that's going to be like the next step afterwards. But regardless, you brought up McDonald's earlier. I want to bring this up now. So McDonald's is setting a trend for the industry by really investing in the future of digital technologies and AI for this customer personalization. So they've acquired companies like Dynamic Yield, Apparente, uh, they've invested in others like Plexure, all to boost things like customer targeting, recommendations, a unique drive-through experience, a unique in-store experience, etc., etc. So what are your thoughts on how they're approaching their AI rollout, and what message do you think it's sending to the rest of the industry? So first of all, the message is very exciting. Uh, this is, uh, the industry is moving towards the future, and this is a very good message for for every player. This is the right moment to invest. McDonald's has also put a lot of mediatic pressure on itself. Uh, we're not looking at having something that works as a proof of concept in one restaurant. By acquiring or investing in so many companies, they, they, have, uh, um, they have to prove themselves. They have to showcase that they're able to roll out this to uh, more than uh, roughly 14,000 restaurants across the US. Um, as of today, the acquisition of Dynamic Yield uh, has translated into two sections added to the drive-thru menu. So it's the free best-selling items and the free, uh, free products that you recommend uh, to uh, each customer. From what I've seen, the best-selling items are fixed through a menu day part. So that means you have free best-selling items for your breakfast time and free best-selling items for the rest of the day for your full menu. And product recommendations are based on the first item added to an order and are not being modified afterwards. So we talked a bit about, about the time that a car spends in the drive-thru. So that might be a challenge of um, really having real-time updates of, um, uh, of a product recommendation. But I think it's quite limited to only show product recommendation based on the first element that was added to your cart. Um, and McDonald's also introduced a new version of its chaos software a few weeks ago that integrated those three best-selling items on the home screen of those kiosks. In terms of breakthrough, I think we're far from it. Uh, I hope that they have uh, more news to come uh, in terms of what Dynamic Yield is bringing to McDonald's, or else it would be a very expensive way of figuring out what are, are your top three sales. Uh, I think there's more work to be done in, on the kiosk rather than on the drive-thru uh, regarding product recommendation uh, and how you can really... Um, modify the interface for your customers. McDonald's also has launched a tech lab in Silicon Valley back in September 2019. And this, again, isn't the first time. So they also did that a few years back and closed it soon after. So we'll see how it goes this time. I'm just saying that I'm waiting to see what comes out of all those acquisitions. Um, in general, McDonald's is not really afraid to subcontract when they consider an element not part of the core business. So they subcontract everything that goes from uh, like growing the raw ingredients, the logistics, the packaging, and so on. But there's a few elements that they do in-house, uh, such as real estate and operations. So they consider this a core part of their business. And with those acquisitions and investment, McDonald's is stating that product recommendation, smart food application, and voice ordering are really part of uh, what will make them unique in the future. My question is like, how will the other QSR brands react? Are they going to wait for a vendor to come up with a solution? Or are they going to invest on their own to keep up the pace? I don't really have the answer, but I think we should see a lot of movement in the industry in the 
in the coming months. And j- just to wrap up the conversation here, Vincent, uh, you know, I think a major fear surrounding AI is that it will be a costly investment that goes nowhere, or from the data scientist's perspective, that the client will want AI for AI's sake, and then that would create a misguided or you know a cumbersome addition to their back end. So basically, bad and unfocused AI implementation could do real damage to a company and to future AI rollouts. So this is kind of to your point earlier that AI needs examples for people to want to give it a shot. And if the examples are bad, <laughs> then, you know, mm-hmm. the industry isn't going to want to adapt. So uh, what are your tips for maneuvering AI implementation in the QSR industry and figuring out exactly how it benefits your unique restaurant or your unique situation? I, I think that every brand will find some sort of benefits in using AI. The, the goal is that the first project uh, isn't something that goes bad. Like, it's making sure that the first project where you, you invest on AI is a solid use case and you're quite sure that there's going to be a benefit behind it. The, the question isn't really if brands should focus on AI, but when they want to start to have a conversation because they will have this conversation at some point, whether it's today, this year, or in the coming years. And you don't want to be the last brand that adapt and have some sort of uh, big distance uh, keeping you away from your competition. Um, Brands might not be willing to invest at the beginning, so they, meaning like they, they not, might not want to build a specific team in-house, but they could look at external consultants or experts. QSR is really specific. I, I wouldn't just base the use cases on conversation you can have with those experts. The experts actually need to go in the restaurant and spend some time. I'm not talking about a day, but actually spending a week or a month in a restaurant, seeing how it worked, seeing where are the bottlenecks, so doing an opening, a closing, um, working every station in the kitchen and front house, uh, shadowing a manager, uh, shadowing the general manager, understanding what are the daily tasks and, where, and knowing from their expertise what AI can do and where are the limits, they are able to build this uh, dictionary of all the use cases. Once you have the use cases, you need to figure out what is a priority and where you see the highest uh, potential um, savings or growth. And just to conclude, I think that building the AI tool is only the tip of the iceberg. Uh, 80% of the work uh, will be collecting the raw data and making sure it's usable. Right, exactly. It's going to be an entire shift for the industry Mm -hmm. to really embrace this wholeheartedly. Because like you said, once you roll it out, that's only half the battle. The next step is making sure that you have actionable decisions to back up an AI rollout. AI alone is just a tool. AI is meant to be there to improve experience, to improve everything from UX and UI to you know menu decisions to financial decisions to logistical decisions and i think that's the key takeaway that people should have listening to this podcast is that ai isn't going to be the end all be all for improving the qsr industry and getting people to finally use product recommendation or finally use uh you know more sophisticated logistics for uh you know their ordering or their menu creation really what it is is it's just the first step It's just the tool that needs to be used for a greater goal of improving whatever it might be that you're trying to improve. So I think if AI and QSR is treated more as that tool, that extremely useful tool, then I think it'll be uh, accepted 
and I think it will be more useful than if it's just chosen as another fun addition to improve the experience without necessarily a focused end goal to contextualize and tie everything together. So, Vincent Atia, Data Project Manager for Acrylec, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure breaking this down. Uh, and if people want to learn a little bit more about maybe some of the Acrylec AI solutions that y'all are putting together, uh, where can they learn a little more? Uh, so first of all, thank you very much, Daniel. It was uh, a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for having me uh, on this podcast. And if they are interested, they should definitely contact us. So we have offices all around the world, and uh, they can just go to the website Acrelec, so A-C-R-E-L-E-C dot com, and contact us, and we'll be more than happy to give them a demo of what we are possible to bring to their business. All right. Thanks again, Vincent. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. See ya. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Beyond Technology, the experience podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to acrylec.com. On there, you'll find plenty of content, videos, podcasts, everything in between. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Music.